privilege it is to worship God together. And I want to tell you that worship today was super special for me because we sang some songs that I just really can worship with, um, you know, and I love the big band. I prefer good, loud worship. But you know what? Every once in a while, it's nice to get kind of in the living room and have this feel right here and do the acoustic set. We have a team that is able to bring that and deliver that to us. So I'm just very thankful for the privilege and the opportunity to worship and to worship with you. It's inspiring to see you worship. Well, welcome. It's just good to see you. It's good to see smiling faces in the house of the Lord. We are finishing a series today. That series is I Have Questions and God Has Answers. And isn't it good to know that God has answers? He's not hiding from us. He isn't hidden. And he has, you know, he knows that we have stuff on our heart and on our mind. And he isn't afraid of our questions and he is ready to give us answers. So where we've been in the series today, um, or actually for over the last five weeks, is we've looked at these questions. What does God want from me? And the answer to that is and always has been faith. Where is God when it hurts? Well, he's near and he's saying to you, come to me, you with a heavy burden. And I'm going to give you rest. Can you really change? The answer to that question was yes, but it's going to take his power and you're going to have to access his power. And how can I hear God? And that was James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And so today we look at this question. Why bother praying and fasting? Why even bother praying and fasting. Doesn't God already know what's on our heart and on our mind? And so I just want to tell you a quick story just about being a parent, and maybe it's going to help us on this topic of praying and fasting, and I'll tell you how and why, but we raised two boys, and it was so much fun being a parent after they got to be a certain age. When they got mobile, and so uh, the other thing that they learned to do at that age is they learn how to talk and interact with you, and then kids just end up saying the funniest things. So they're two years apart, and so the older one is Patrick, and the younger one is Colin, and the one who just seemed to say funny things was Colin, and I don't think he really meant to, but just some of the things he would observe in the way he would interact with us. So He's got an older brother. The older brother is always telling him what to do, how to play, where to be. It's just what older brothers end up doing. And finally, one day, Colin got fed up, and he just said to his brother, you are not the demander of me. I thought, wow, that's some straight up stuff. It's like, you are not the demander of me. I went into work and said, you are not. No, I did not say that. But you get the point with him. And then there was another time where the kids were being babysat and the folks that were babysitting them, their house was for sale. They got an emergency call that the house was going to be shown in about 10 minutes. So their babysitter was also from a big family. She was used to issuing orders. And so she's like, hey, you boys, do this, 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 do this. Finally, Colin's like, hmm. He said to her, 
we will not be ordered as knaves. He's four years old. I'm sitting there going, I'm going to try that one out too. That one works pretty good. And anyways, the, probably the funniest thing that we remember as parents was one time Colin was like, I need this, I need this, I need this. We were in our own world. We just weren't hearing him. He's a four-year-old going, I need this, I need this, I need this. Finally, he stops and he said, would somebody get me what I want? Well, we all stopped and we looked at him. Virginia and I, we looked at each other. We just started to laugh. That was really funny. Would somebody get me what I want? We were going to make a t-shirt out of that one. That was funny. And I was just thinking to myself, you know, kids say the darndest things. And today we're going to talk about prayer and fasting. And we're going to try to answer this question, why bother praying and fasting when our heart position a lot of times is, hey, God, you're not the demander of me. Or like when I was young in my faith, my prayer life was sort of like, God, rescue me from my own bad decisions. Rescue me from my bad choices. And I promise I will dot, 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 fill in the blank. I'm not sure what I was promising. I'll stop doing this. I'll start doing that. But in this conversation, it was like prayer was more like God is my genie in a bottle and I'm going to lift up my request to him. I'm just going to throw it up to the ceiling, to the sky and hope that something comes back. And it was a really just not really a relationship building thing. It was more like, God, aren't you there for me? Don't you love me? Would somebody get me what I want? And so uh, today, we're going to look into this question. Why bother praying? Why bother fasting? And here's the quick answer. Because we want to grow spiritually. Because we want to engage life the way that God wants us to engage life. We want to do well, and we, we want to not tank in life. And so we think that that is going to require relationship. And so that relationship is going to be found and powered through our prayer life. And added to prayer is something that we call fasting. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. So there's a lot of reasons that we should bother praying and fasting. Two places to go in God's word today. We're going to go to John chapter 3 and then we're going to go to Matthew 17. We're going to look just at one verse in each place. So each of those verses is the punchline to a story, but hopefully it's going to give us insight into this topic of prayer and fasting. So uh, we come to a story And the crescendo of the story is John the Baptist saying, he must increase and I must decrease. John was baptizing out in the wilderness. People were coming out to him. And one time Jesus came out to him. And he baptized Jesus in the Jordan River. He looked at Jesus and said, I'm not even worthy to tie your shoes. Why should I baptize you, Jesus said, to fulfill all righteousness? And then 
up from that baptism, Jesus began to preach and teach. He began to heal and do miracles. And John's disciples were like jealous. And they went to John the Baptist and said, John, this guy that you baptized, he's doing all this stuff. What are you going to do about it? And the response was super, super tender. Um, he replied in John 3, 29, he said, The friend who attends the groom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears his voice. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. He must increase, and I must decrease. What a great response from John the Baptist. Now, how do we increase? If there's an increase and a decrease, how do we increase? Well, that increase happens through prayer. Our conversation with God, our communication with God. This faith life is fueled inside of a conversation with God. And there is a crossing point, a crossing over point in our life's experience. And that is before God was in charge and then after God is in charge. And so before God was in charge, we just lived our lives for ourselves. We just did whatever we felt was the right thing to do. And then we come into a relationship with God. He makes us new from the inside out. We have a new mind. We're developing this mind of Christ. And in that relationship, God begins to increase. And if one is to increase, then the other necessarily, it has to decrease. And so prayer is what activates that increase. And so uh, the ultimate result of that is that prayer begins to connect us to God. So our praying, our, our talking to God, it informs our life circumstances. It speaks into the life that we are living. God begins to communicate his mind, his wisdom to us we begin to see things differently. We pray, he speaks, we grow. And so prayer is connecting us to God. Now what's the opposite or the equal and opposite side of that? Fasting disconnects us from the world. Now what is fasting? A lot of times people think it's just about food. You just stop eating certain things or you stop eating everything. And fair enough, that can be what fasting is. But fasting can be a whole lot more than that. Fasting can be stopping whatever is speaking to you the loudest. What could that be? It could be social media. It could be text messaging. It could be anything that just comes in and begins to invade your space. And you know what that is most in your life. And a fasting time is disconnecting us from the influence of whatever that is. So, for instance, if it is food, if, if food is the thing that invades our space the most, we say, you know what, for this period of time, I'm going to stop eating this or I'm going to stop eating totally so that I can hear 
from God. And so this whole thing, Jesus, fasting is important to him. He said, when we fast, not if we fast. And so this fasting part is kind of a lost art in the church, mostly because people just don't take the occasion to do it. And later on, the message will make some sense out of why prayer and fasting are there. But what an incredible combination of prayer connecting us to God and fasting disconnecting us from the world. So uh, that increase happens when we pray. The decrease happens when we're fasting. And hopefully, is that making sense to you a little bit? It's, it's a combination. It's a sort of a yin-yang thing. You know, there's an equal and opposite thing happening. God is doing more than one thing at a time. But why bother praying and fasting? Well, here's the deal. It's going to do us some major, major good. Because one of the things that happens uh, when we fast is we get clarity on circumstances. So we communicate to God. A lot of times we let him know what our needs are. But then through our fasting, we turn down the rest of the world. And now we can hear what God is saying to us. So we bother doing it because Jesus wanted us to because it benefits us. Because we get clarity when we don't have clarity, you know, in our circumstances in the things that we're facing. How many times have you said, God, if you just told me what to do, I would do it. So sometimes God can speak to us when we are praying and we're fasting. Well, that was John chapter 3. We're going to jump over for a second now into Matthew 17. And just in the interest of time, what I'm going to do is summarize an account where a father brought his young boy to Jesus' disciples to basically to be delivered. He was a demon-possessed boy, and this father had such concern for his son, and the, the possession had caused great harm to the boy. It had caused great harm to the family and the people around him. So the father brought him to Jesus' disciples, and guess what? Jesus' disciples could not, deliver the boy. Couldn't do it. Well, the father was like, I know exactly what to do. I'm going to go straight to Jesus. He brought the boy to Jesus and Jesus cast the demon out of that boy. And that demon, by the way, stayed out of the boy. So Jesus did it and did it right. And it was done. Now, later, his disciples, when they got in private, they said, hey, Jesus, why couldn't we cast that demon out? Why could we not cast out that demon? And Jesus replied to them. He said, because you have such little faith. <laughs> Oops, glad I asked. <laughs> that sounds like a little bit of a rebuke. Um, if you had the faith the size of a mustard seed told this mountain to be cast in the sea, it would be done for you. Everything is possible for him who believes. And after that nice little comment to his closest people, he said, and in, in your translation, you may have to look into your notes for this one in verse 21. 
But his response was, this kind of demon does not go out except by prayer and fasting. This kind of demon does not go out except by prayer and fasting. And so it teaches me, you know, that, that there's a, maybe a hierarchy in the spiritual warfare that we face. And that certain things, there's a level of difficulty in some of the circumstances that we face. But what kind of demon is it? This kind. This kind. The kind that is stubborn. The kind that is persistent. The kind that is dug in. The kind that thinks they belong there and they have a home there. The kind that when you go for spiritual help, sometimes that spiritual help is not forthcoming because, man, only Jesus could get rid of that kind of demon. Well, you say, Rob, I don't have a demon. This doesn't apply to me. But I would submit to you that you have struggles, that you have trials, that you have temptations that are still with you, that you haven't had victory over. And prayer connects us to God, and fasting disconnects us from the world so that this kind of demon can be cast out. Man, that was revelation to me. The increase, the decrease of praying and fasting, the combination of praying and fasting. Well, here's just four benefits that you'll see when you fast and you pray before we get to our application. The first one is that we align our lives with God's power and his presence. We call that alignment. Through prayer and fasting, you're going to align with God. Do you know that we are prone to wander as just people? Part of our human condition is that we are temptable. We will step away from God's plan. We will make bad decisions. But when we're praying, and especially when in times of fasting, we align ourselves with God's power and his presence, and he begins to speak to our circumstances Maybe he's adding faith to you during that conversation and saying, nope, with my power, you believe this demon can be gone. This struggle can be gone. This trial can be gone. And we align ourselves with God's power and presence. What also, excuse me, what also happens is that as we pray and as we fast, we go deeper with God. We get into deeper waters because God can trust us with more. God begins to speak to us with the expectation that we're going to respond to what he has spoken. And we just travel out into deeper waters. God speaks. We've turned down the world through our fasting enough to hear. And now we can hear God and now we can respond to him. So we end up going deeper with God. The third thing is that we actually engage in spiritual warfare. 
And I will tell you this, we are not a demon under every rock kind of church. We don't think there's a demon, you know, a demon did that, a demon did that. Uh, but we believe in spiritual warfare. We believe what Ephesians 4.12 says that our struggle isn't against flesh and blood, but against rulers, powers, principalities. And sorry, that reference was 612, not 412. Spiritual warfare in chapter 6 of Ephesians. But too often, we are attempting to solve these spiritual problems with an earthly wisdom. And it just isn't getting the job done. So when we engage in spiritual warfare through praying and fasting, we have victory in our warfare. And that is an incredible benefit because I don't want to fight and not win. I don't want to struggle and not prevail. I don't want to face something and keep being defeated. I want to win. I want God to have the victory in my life. You probably feel the same way. It's like, man, God, we want you to win. We want you to have your way in our lives. We want to be useful vessels available to you because there's a world out there that needs to be changed. So we have victory in our warfare. And finally, through prayer and fasting, we prepare for what is next. That's preparation. Well, what is next? Is there a next step for you? Are you praying about what's next? Do you need wisdom about what's next? I'm not going to get into your business right now. I'm going to get into the church's business just a little bit. But what's next for us, very next for us, next week, we're expanding the preaching team to increase our impact of people that are walking through the doors. We want to do our best for God. We're going to increase our focus on discipleship and create the classes that we need to invite people into that are going to help them take their next step. We are knee-deep in our search for our next pastor. Do we need to pray and to fast over these things? I think we do because we want the right answers to all of those things. And we want God's power and his presence in those things. So it's like, hey, you know, alignment, depth, victory and warfare, preparation. Those are good reasons right there. Those are good reasons to fast and to pray. Well, let me ask you this question. What's at stake? You could just say, Rob, not interested in fasting and praying, not interested in the topic. What is at stake? And I want to tell you, I think everything is at stake. Your life, it matters to God. The big things, the little things. God wants to speak into your life and God wants you to be able to hear him enough to be able to respond. What are some of the things that are going on? Well, school is starting up again. I think that's the real new year. It's when families kind of uh, get back to the basics. 
people do come back to church. If you've ever noticed in the summertime, people kind of, you know, go to the lake and do their thing. And then school gets back into session and people say, you know what? It's time for us to start doing this, 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 and this. And over the next few weeks, we're going to have an incredible opportunity to reach people that we haven't been able to reach all summer long because they're going to come through the doors. And we want to pray for that encounter. We even want to fast for that encounter because we want that encounter to be effective. So what do we do? What do we do? We engage in 21 days of prayer. Today is the start of 21 days of prayer. And our church, churches all over this country and churches all over the world are entering 21 days of prayer today. And how that's going to look is at, at 6.50 tomorrow morning, I'm going to go live on our Facebook group. And I'm going to give you a few instructions on how to access the broadcast that will emanate from one of our related churches, the Church of the Highlands. They're going to stream this whole event to us. But we're going to be able to participate in it. So 6.50 tomorrow morning for a 7 a.m. sharp start time. If you have 20 minutes, there's going to be worship and there's going to be a prayer-inspiring message. And if you have to move on at 7.20, then that's just great. Participate in that part. If you have 25 more minutes, we're going to pray just for ourselves during that time. And you can pray about your own needs. You can pray about the church's needs, some of them that I've mentioned. And you can do that. And then finally at 745, there's kind of a regathering and there's a little bit of worship, but then there's directed prayer for the final 15 minutes of that time. Here's what I can promise you. It will never go more than a full hour. And here's what else I can tell you is that for 24 hours, each one of those things will be on demand during the day, just in case those times don't work for you. I know that's a, that's a, a point in time. The folks at the Church of the Highlands, they're doing this at 6 a.m. Central Time. And it's a little bit more civilized at 7 a.m., but it really gets in the way of a lot of people's preparation for work. So I do understand that. But as a church, we want to pray. We want to fast. And what do we think is going to happen? Well, we think that our spiritual power is going to increase. We think that God is going to speak to us in wisdom. We think that in this and through this, we're going to develop a prayer culture where we pray first and not last. And that we will learn how to fast. We'll start with stuff that we can do and accomplish. But then maybe we'll expand that to something that is greater. And that'll give us an opportunity to go deeper with God. We are going to pursue God's plan and purpose for us. So we're praying 
for this preaching team. Next couple of weeks, Pastor Stephen is going to be here. We've got a four to six week plan that follows up after that. It's going to be good. It's going to be awesome. We are going to double down on our discipleship efforts. We will start the growth track in our classroom at the 11 o'clock service. We'll be offering that every week instead of just every once in a while or maybe never to give people an opportunity to respond, to enter in, to find out what their spiritual next step is. We want to pray for the people who serve in our Four Point Kids ministry. Man, what a great little world that is, but it needs people who love Jesus and are called to serve there and impart a Jesus life onto these kids. And the same thing for our student ministry. We need people called and gifted to serve so that we can invest in this next generation and do that well as a church. Why bother praying and fasting? The stakes are too high not to. We've got too many important things to do. And Jesus is calling us. He desires that we do that. At the end of the day, we just want to do well for him. We want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servants. So let's take this journey together over the next 21 days. And let's see what God does in response to this.